Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I've got my friend Frank Sanders of Alaska Trophy Outfitters on the line. Frank, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, boss. How about you? Good. You've had, man, a whirlwind. The last time that I think I spoke with you, um, your house in California got caught up in that big fire and, and burned down, and you had a bunch of hunts that you had drawn, and it was kind of bad timing obviously there's no good timing for your house to burn down but um first of all thanks for coming on the podcast but i also want to hear about uh, all of your great fall and and let's start out by this horrific story of your house burning down yes you know obviously you know and dar and and those that are close to me um know i spend you know seven to eight months a year in alaska and my wife um with her job and what she does She's based there in Northern Cal, and so I spend part of the winters there and have done for years now. And, um, yeah, we had we had fire warnings actually leading up to the day of the fire. And the night of the actual fire, I spoke with my neighbor, um, and he's a law enforcement officer, and so, you know, he usually has some pretty good intel. And he said, uh, we're in good shape. <clears throat> the winds actually changed, and... Um, my wife, Rosie, hadn't slept in a couple days um, due to the, the fire warnings. And, and that night I spoke with her and she said, yeah, you know, I'm going to sack out, you know, finally get some rest. And her best friend called me about 1130 that night, woke me up. I'd driven down from Anchorage and um, said, you know, hey, how do I get a hold of her? And 
you know, I said, well, you know, just call her. She goes, I've called like a dozen times. I said, well, she's kind of sick. She hasn't slept in a couple nights. And she said, well, the fire is bad. I said, no, no, we're good tonight. And she said, no, it's in Pleasance Valley, which is the valley behind us. And I said, it can't be. And she said, yeah, jump the road. And so I told her, I said, Wendy, I got, I got to go. Um, I got to get a hold of her. And she, thank God, said, I'm in your driveway. I'm going up right now. She goes, no pun. She goes, I don't want to get shot when I knock on the door. And I said, well, just crash on the door. I said, the dogs will wake her up. And um, long and short of it, <clears throat> by the time she called me and said, I got her awake to a photo I got of my wife with the little trailer pulling out with a couple of animals in it. It was 28 minutes, and you could see the flames off to the side. Unreal. Um, yeah. So This was back in what, August? This was, yeah, that was the night of August 19th. Um, ironic thing, it was actually our, our uh, anniversary. So we will and never you were in Alaska. Yeah, you were in Alaska. She was at home, and yep. the flames just came and overtook. And so did it literally burn your, your entire house to the ground? It, I mean, it, it everything. Everything. It, um, All your neighbors, you like, know, did it just go through in a swath that whole area you know it, it did go through it took out it ended up taking out a few more than 100 or 470 homes it is odd because the neighbor above us we're on 20 to 30 acres each of us and the neighbor above us was okay the one directly below us lost everything just you know like our house incinerated and yet the the police officer like i said a friend of mine who lives across from her it actually burnt their hot tub against their house but didn't catch their house and um and then the three below him were gone and then one that you would think would go an older house that a guy's working on just bought a lot of stuff laying around the one house you think would go um it didn't Unreal. and um yeah it's uh the guy who, who whose house made it that we didn't think would is a fireman and he sent me a video that night because I literally, when I heard that, I bought a plane ticket, turned around and drove back to Anchorage. And, you know, I was on a plane at five. But he sent me a video and there were some spot fires around his house. And in my mind, I thought, we're okay. Our house is, um, it's got a tile roof and it's stucco. But I had just put on a, um, a kiln-dried cedar deck. And I thought, well, we'll be okay. And when I talked to George, uh, the law enforcement neighbor of mine, he... Um, he said, when that fire went up the hill, he said, it's not like a fire you would think like creeping along, burning as it went. He said, things 50, 80, 100 yards away were, were igniting. And so it was just super hot. Uncomprehendable, I guess, is the best way to put it. Unreal. Yeah. Um, and knowing you, I've been to your Alaska house. Um, I'm sure you had all kinds of stuff in your California house as well um how has it been dealing with insurance and everything with the whole process you know it's been the insurance process has been good um obviously there's some shock um lost yeah quite a few trophies you know it's you know stuff you can never replace and um i don't want to say it hasn't it hasn't been as bad as i thought it would be um I'm really fortunate, you know, my family's from the area, and so I'm actually staying at a place up north here. My wife's at the property. 
Uh, I've been back and forth to Alaska. And so, you know, with her making it out and all of our pets making it out, I mean, that's really all that, all that made it. Um, does it, you know, excuse my language, does it suck? Absolutely. But when you look around and I talk to some of the neighbors and other people who've been in the fire, I'm up west of Chico, which is where the Paradise Fire was, which was kind of thousands of structures. Um, I don't want to say I'm lucky, but, but I am lucky. I'm blessed that I have the family. I have the support. My wife made it out. And we do have good insurance because there was a lot of people that didn't because some of the prior fires, people hadn't renewed. They'd been dropped by their insurance company. They thought, you know, yeah, we're working on it and, you know, best intentions. But in a nutshell, um, I, I do feel pretty darn lucky. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Well, awesome, man. Well, hopefully you can recover from that. I know you guys will and, and your wife is strong and you guys will bounce back um but you also with in the midst of all that you had everything that you've got going on with your alaska outfitting business but you had also drawn some uh great tags in the west this year a handful of elk tags and it was kind of a you know if you could say a, a weird year you know it's never a good time but it this was about as bad a time for you um to have some a tragedy like this hit because of all of the plans and stuff that you had for the fall, is it not? Yeah, and you know, uh, excuse me, I refer to the even years as what I call my elk years because with our brown bear season being every other fall, I sneak out a little bit early, you know, so I can hunt in September. And um, and yeah, I, I drew on Arizona this year. Uh, I drew a um, permit at the Hunt Expo for Utah. And then I was doing some work with Branded Rock Ranch in Colorado, so I had to hunt there. And and um, and I'm actually getting ready to go to New Mexico here in a few days to hunt the Yakima. And so had all these plans. And you know, it's the very first day. I mean, the day I got to Alaska, we you know we went to Sacramento, went to a you know an extended stay place, and I, I was walking in from getting some stuff. And my wife was talking to my mother-in-law who lives in Arizona. And my wife said, "Hey, when's your Arizona hunt?" And I mean immediately when all this happened i thought okay i'm gonna point guard you know i got point guard and i said you know I, i'm not gonna do it this year there's just too much and she literally stopped what she was doing she said you know i'm not gonna say what she said but she said i'll be darned if you're not gonna go on that hunt she's like you've waited 20 plus years she's like what she made a very valid point she said what are you gonna do here yeah and i mean it really was and um and yeah and i turned out you know arizona was just it was a tough year. A lot of guys, you know, obviously know that with the rut and the heat. I mean, but it was a freaking fantastic hunt. Um, so you chose to hunt I with went. Craig and Lee at Exclusive Pursuit. And tell me about that whole experience with Craig and Lee. Those guys, you know, I mean, you, you hear it and you hear, you know, these guys are good or those guys are good. And I haven't done a lot of guided hunts other than out of the country. And I think anybody who has done them, and has, has had much experience realizes, you know, you can have a really good area and like a really crappy guide, or you can have a really good guide and kind of a crappy area. And the two can, but to have a, a fantastic area and those guys around was just freaking awesome. Um, I spent 15 days there and, um, you know, the, the hunting was tough because there really wasn't much rut, but, you know, they've got all that private land tied up 
I never saw another soul. Um, the three target bulls I was after, the smallest was 380 plus. And, um, you know, I'm seeing these bulls. I mean, they were hard to pattern because, like, I'd see them and, you know, we'd be back there the next morning, you know, well before light following bugles and, um, you know, say we didn't catch up to them. But there was a couple times we checked cameras and those same bulls we saw at 630 the evening before at midnight were watering literally four miles away. And, um, but they know that place so well. Um, Lee, he tagged out and, um, cause I was with another one of their guides and he said, Hey, let's, you know, I'd like to go with you guys. And so we got to hunt together a little bit and, um, he's a freaking elk whisperer, very <laughs> quiet. Um, I mean, he's incredibly humble. Got a very dry sense of humor. His sense of humor and mine are right on par. It's probably an insult to Lee, but uh, <laughs> freaking. And then, you know, Craig, that guy, he's just, he's got this contagious smile and kind of freaking, I don't know if I say childish giggle, but uh, I mean, absolutely outstanding people with an outstanding place. And yeah, you couldn't, you really couldn't ask for any better. And, um, and if, sum it up i never got a shot at one of my target bulls and i ended up killing a bull that was pushing 370 wow and yeah for that not to even be a target bull is just kind of it's kind of uncomprehendable yeah um you know and and for those out there i had 22 points to draw that and everybody says oh my gosh you know i'll never catch up i'll never do that so another friend of mine was there hunting greg bokash he had 22 points also and then there was two other guys in camp, and this is the point I'm going to get at. They both had two points. Right. Two, and they drew. So, you know, for those that say there's not a chance or whatever, there there absolutely is. Yeah, and, um, for sure, and that's the thing about Arizona, especially with the new changes, you never know. It used to be where, you know, you had to have the max points in order to draw, you know, with the 5% now. Um, it's, it just gives an opportunity for people to draw in a random pool. Um, and that's why it's important. You know, I always tell people, you know, apply, put in, cause you never know, uh, a, a, another example of that. I just took a guy on a bighorn sheep hunt, uh, in six a, which is one of the, probably one of the best, uh, bighorn units in Arizona, uh, for Rockies. And he drew with seven points. And, you know, ironically, one of the other hunters only had, uh, I want to say 18 or 19, something like that. So not max points. So, I mean, it happens every year. Um, this bull that you shot looked like a really good bull. Um, and that was with your bow. I was watching Instagram, getting kind of those um, updates from the blind. And you had, you know, fights and wallows and all kinds of stuff. Um, what's it like um, on that place sitting water? Well, you know, typically I know they don't sit as much as we did this year, but it was um, kind of a no-brainer, you know, with a, with a little bit of rut activity. And you, you probably saw some of the videos. Um, I did have some bulls come in with cows. They weren't talking a whole lot, but they were with them. And, you know, those guys, how it's set up, like a lot of the spots had, you know, multiple blinds um, or a blind in a tree stand, which, you know, is, to me, you know, you think, well, you know, you should do that anyway. But uh, a lot of guys don't either are too lazy or don't, but you know, if you have a bull coming into an area, you know, you hate, well, the wind's bad. It's like, well, I'll sit one side or the wind's good. I'll sit the other side, whatever it may be. 
And um, I had multiple, I, I'm not even going to guess, but I, I had multiple, multiple bulls, you know, under 40 yards. I mean, totally, uh, you know, unaware. Um, Oblivious to you I, sitting one there? Evening, oh, well, one evening I passed up, you know, what a, is a solid 350 bull and another one that's, you know, everyone said 360. And I mean, that's kind of what I got out of him too. It was earlier in the hunt. And, um, Jay, I've never, I've never passed that caliber of bull before. Yeah. I, I've killed some of that caliber, but it's because, you know, say it was Wyoming or, or, um, Idaho, that was the bull I came upon, you know, had I come upon a 330 bull, I would have tried to take it, you know, but I've got some bigger ones, but I've never passed that caliber of bull where I said, I had that bull in front of me 15 minutes, you know, for anywhere from 20 yards to 50 yards, um, you know, never pick my bow up. Um, yeah, it just, it, it's a little beyond next level actually. Awesome. And then you also got to hunt with another friend of mine, uh, Hunter Meekum and his dad. Uh, tell me about that experience in Utah. Yeah. So, you know, talk going kind of back to where we were uh, speaking about, you know, long draw odds. I don't know what it was, but I think it was, you know, one in a couple thousand of me drawing, but I drew a Mount Dutton late season permit. And um, actually I was with you there at the show. And then you called me instantly when you saw who I drew with. And uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, obviously I trust you and took your word. But what really solidified it was I contacted four different people in Utah when I drew that without mentioning to a single one of them who I was considering, even though I told you right away. Right. I thought, you know, I'm just going to do some homework. Three out of the four, without skipping a beat, said, go with McLean Meacham. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the one said uh, him or another outfitter that was there, um, he said either one you know, you can't go wrong. And so obviously I went with, uh, with Hunter and, and McLean and, um, you know, I was really, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I consider myself a pretty good hunter and whatnot. And I got there a week early, five days early and scouted on my own and messed around. But those guys had been scouting and this was freaking impressive. They were leaving their place at three something in the morning they would haul mules all the way up there. And then there was four, anywhere from three to five guys, typically four, two would go one way. One would go another one would go another. And they were doing that every morning scouting before the hunt. Um, they found the bull that I got, you know, a week prior and they watched them. You know, they kept eyes on them almost every day. Um, I think they did every day, but one. And so, you know, we, uh, Hunter and I left early that morning, looped around where that bull was and came down into there. And, um, they had already spotted him from two other vantage points. And, you know, we snuck in and, and made a freaking shot and, um, killed a beautiful seven by seven bull. Uh, he's pushing the 380 mark right there in a, I mean, Hunter actually stopped when we were going to shoot and he said, Hey, take a look, make sure you what you want. And I told Hunter, I said, I, whether that bull's 350, we guessed him around low 370s or 370, I'll be incredibly happy. I said, he's this perfect seven by seven. He's totally unbroken. You know, it's a late hunt. And, and yeah, I just, it worked out to a freaking T. And um, people, 
I, I had a guy call me a while back and ask me, he was at a hunting camp and he said, you know, I, I got my deer on my first day. You know, it's a great buck. It's the best buck I've ever killed. You know, what do I tip this guy? And it made me think, and I, and I think you, you know where I'm going with this, but I said, well, how many days has that guy been there? He goes, oh, I, I don't know. They've been there a while. I said, how many, how many cameras does he run? You know? So when these guys like myself shoot on day one, that's not because we're phenomenal hunters. May, occasionally, yeah, we might luck into it. But when those guys bust their butt like that, they hunt all year long. We just pull the trigger. And um, I'll tell you, I cannot say enough good. I mean, the camp, the food, the people, the mules, just freaking fantastic hunt. Yeah, I have the pleasure of uh, having Hunter work with me over there at the Ot 6 and the month of September and he's just a joy to be around he's he's got a great sense of humor and tough tough kid and he's got a great set of eyes on him and can spot any anything anytime anywhere and um he just has a real knack for being in the right place at the right time I knew you'd have a great time and you know he he's learned everything that he's learned from his from his old man McLean and um so I knew you know I knew without a shadow of a doubt pairing you guys up with with those two father and son that it was going to be a good deal and a heck of a bull beautiful bull now is that the biggest bull you've killed personally Yes yep Yeah so I mean yep. you you yeah. killed a 370 and a 380 in the same year 380 plus in the same year um that's going to be hard to beat Absolutely Absolutely and, I got and then you hunted in Colorado as well. Um, you've got a friend over there uh, for mule deer and elk, or what were you hunting? Yeah, we did mule deer and elk. Um, there was a group of us that went in to uh, Branded Rock there. A friend of mine, um, Amy Martin Schaefer, uh, her brother and I, Brian Martin, and I have been friends for, oh, pushing 30, actually 30 years now. And um, and I've known Amy, obviously, that whole time also. And so um, one of the groups that, was going we worked it out so we could all hunt together and um and that was another great time it's you know it's a different hunt it's uh branded rock is it's like no other place i've ever been as far as you know their whole setup and it's just um it's five and a half stars what it is and and to have all that and then you know great hunting and you know it's not arizona but i still got a probably a 330 class bull if he wasn't broken up he broke a little bit i thought he just had short fists but big heavy bull um and not a really good scoring buck but a really old deer um essentially a five by three with a big hook kicker and uh yeah fantastic freaking hunt um i've this is more rifle hunting than i've done in a long time and people ask me you know do you enjoy it i'm like I absolutely do. <laughs> you just uh, like to hunt. I love to hunt. You know, yeah. granted, given given the choice, I'd bow hunt, but I'm not going to turn down a hunt with a rifle. I can tell you that. You'd use a grenade if that's what you had to use. I mean, whatever it takes, <laughs> exactly. your flamethrower, you'd be using it. Um, all right, let's let those are great hunts. Let's jump over to Alaska. I know the draw is coming up. I believe around the middle of the month. Um, yeah. Tell us about. I know I've had you on the podcast before. Uh, but tell us about your operation in Alaska and uh, some of the hunts that with people with the draw coming out and, and what have you, what you're kind of focusing on and what you have to offer for people up there and kind of just give us an overall. I mean, you've been up there forever. Talk talk a little bit about all that. Yeah, so I'm about, I think this is my 25th year up there, kind of like you said, forever in a day. 
Um, my operation, we, uh, we do primarily brown bear, uh, moose, mountain goat, and then we do do some black bear, uh, not a bunch of it. I used to do a little bit of sheep, but they've changed some of the areas. Um, since it went to a draw, I used to just take 100 a year, but, um, but yeah, our focus obviously, like I said, is brown bear, moose, mountain goat. And, um, so for the drawing coming up, the primary thing we're doing right now is just our mountain goat stuff. My brown bear is, um, on the peninsulas over the counter. Kodiak is a drawing and typically, you know, I would put in a few guys for Kodiak for spring, but what happened this last year with covid and a lot of it being shut down our spring bear season was shut down to non-residents uh, i snuck out and actually whacked a bear myself this last year um, but it was shut down to non-residents and what they did was they carried it over because typically it's spring of even fall of odd so we're actually going to have two bear hunts next year the board of game got together and said well you know biologically it makes sense because we're not harvesting twice as many bears you know if a resident chose to hunt in 2020 they cannot hunt 21 and even if they did it's a four-year wait so it's not like they could double dip but um what they did with kodiak was if you let's just say jay scott put in he got a, uh, a kodiak brown bear permit with me for 2020 he gets the opportunity to come back in 2021 and so they pulled all those permits out of the draw um what i do have is uh some fall opportunities if a guy is looking for brown bear and combine it with like a black-tailed deer we do have some of those opportunities um the bears are doing great i will say that the deer numbers on a lot of the island are down um especially my area it was a couple of years ago it was just it was nuts it really was and um it they've really been hit hard but um so, yeah, so we've got the fall Kodiak was what we would apply for or mountain goat. And our mountain goats are typically seven full days of hunting. You know, guy gets in a day before, leaves a day prior. Um, our moose hunts, they're a basic over-the-counter tag, brown, brown, the pencil over-the-counter. And um, Let yeah. me ask you some questions about the mountain goat. So the mountain goat um, at – Years ago, the draw the draw was actually pretty darn tough. In the last few years, the draw has actually become a little more liberal. Um, what kind of opportunities do guys have? Let's say that you know are just applying uh, with you this year for the first time for goat. Um, as far as draw odds, what what do you expect them to roughly be? You know what they you're right because what they did was that before we had three opportunities and and those three opportunities had to be three different hunt areas and so alaska was working on a point system do we do a point system or do we you know how are we going to go preference system and i actually worked with the board of game a little bit because i applied for quite a few areas and when it was all said and done this kind of took me by surprise but it, it has worked um they gave us six choices which when i first heard it i thought well that's kind of dumb but then I actually, you know, shut my mouth and opened my ears. Six choices could all go in the same drawing. And in my mind, what I think happened was, and I know I'm guilty of it, I would put in, you know, let's just say like Arizona elk, I put in 10 as my first choice, 9 as my second choice, and let's just say 4B North as my third, if you could do three choices there. And all three would go in the hat. 
well, if I drew nine or 10, I was going. If I drew four B and something else came up, I wouldn't go. I think that's what happened in Alaska. And so when they went to the six choices in one area, people took their primary areas and did that. And it took our drawing odds from around 20% up to 50 to 60%, depending on the year. And so, um, I mean, no pun, luck with the draw. I've had multiple people put in their first time. Um, last year, I had a group from New Mexico, father, son, and a friend. I said, we can only do two. But, you know, you can obviously put in one individually. All three of them got it. Uh, all three actually killed Billy's the first day. Um, not to be expected, but definitely a bonus. Um, yeah, and so I would say across the board, you're looking 40 to 60% on draw odds. And our application period, it's open now. It goes to December 15th. And one of the nice things about it, you know, even though it is a draw, is we find out the results mid second to third week in February. So guys can plan, you know, if they don't draw it, they can plan another trip. If they do, they know, hey, you know, we've got this going on. Um, Alaska used to have two drawing periods and that they changed it, put this into the one. And so it, it simplified it and, and definitely improved it by any means. You know, there's no preference point system, which, you know, some of us are kind of bummed about. But doing six choices has definitely, definitely increased our odds exponentially. So, Frank, your mountain goat hunts, when Dar and I went with you, um, you had several options. You had uh, most of the options are you fly in some sort of plane, uh, either into a bay or, you know, on the ocean or into a lake and dropped off. Um, are all of your mountain goat hunts like that or are some of them, um, you know, you hike from a base or, or how does it work? So now what we were doing before, you know, exactly like you said, you know, there was a couple areas at a Seward where we would take a boat. Um, and then the other ones we would fly either under the salt or under the high Alpine Lake. The pilot who was doing the high Alpine Lake, um, he finally threw in the towel and he's retiring. So right now I'm not offering that hunt. That was um, what I called the, the plush mountain goat hunt, you know, cause you could, we would fly in a turbine otter, you know, weight was not a factor. Um, so what we're doing now is we're doing just the two. You know, they're both backpack style, getting dropped off either by a plane or by a um, boat transport and walking up. Um, one of the things that I've actually been asked a lot in the last two years, and after talking to one of the guys from BC, I kind of get where it's coming from. Not that goat hunting is easier in Alaska, but some of the guys I've spoke with in BC, they rode horses in for, say, a day and then walked a day or two into a spike camp. Most of our stuff is if we get dropped off within six to eight hours, unless you get taken to the J and R special spot <laughs> where you have to, you know, where you're earning it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Dar sent me videos of that just yesterday. Um, but most of our areas, we are, I would say six to eight hours. We're above tree line. We're camping where goats are. Um, so it's and success not like a is, is walk. typically pretty high um, in in most of your areas, is it not for a goat? Is yeah, no. Success I mean, we're, is... you know, oh, you know, knock on freaking wood. Um, there's a guy that does this podcast. His name is Jay. <laughs> he is the only hunter I have to date that didn't get a goat. <laughs> and uh, I, 
it, it's still hard for me to fathom. <laughs> it's but, hard uh, for you to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, of all the people, and uh, yeah, oh, it was no, still... I tell that story quite often. The further it gets away from me, the longer it's been, the the funner it seems. Uh, at the time, it was, it was <laughs> um, not by any. It was just the way that things worked out. But um, we had a, we had a great time, and Dar got a great goat. And um, I do remember on the last night, um, you know, there was a little bit of light left, a little bit, and we were had his goat there, and we you know packed it out and done the whole thing, and. I said, I don't care if a world record goat walks through camp. I'm not shooting it. And Dar just looked over at me. He didn't say anything. He just smiled and went back to doing what he was doing. Um, that, that, that's a famous Dar smile. Yeah, he, he's a man of few words, but he does have some looks every now and then. Um, <laughs> all right, so if people want to apply for Mountain Goat, the best thing for them to do is what? Just get a hold of you and you kind of walk them yeah. through it or you take care of it or how does it work? Yeah, you know, typically what I do is is you have to have a hunting license to apply, um, like a lot of states. And, and something that um, some people don't know, a lot of people don't, is so like if somebody called me right now and said we want to apply for Mountain Goat in, you know, 2021, they would buy a hunting license. I think they're 165, and that's good for 2021. But what that also allows is if they didn't draw this year, since the draw application period is in the prior year, they could use that same license to apply again for 2022. And then if they draw the tag in 2022, they would have to buy another license to hunt, but you can use that same license to apply for two years. Um, I've got one guy now he's on the list to apply for spring Kodiak for 2022. And I said, well, your goat license you're going to use this year. We can use again, you know, December of next year to apply for that. And, um, so, it, you know, it is kind of nice. It gives people that option. They don't have to put it out every year. Uh, but, yeah, they can contact me. Um, What's the after best way? talking to them. You know, the best way is to call or shoot a text at uh, 907-252-7413. Or they can email me at outfitalaska at gmail.com. And um, – where I'm at now, a couple of ranches here, services in and out. If I miss somebody, I'll definitely give them a call back or shoot me an email back and uh, walk them through the process and apply them. There's three different areas we're hunting, you know, kind of see what they're looking for. Um, our billies, we're averaging nine, nine and a quarter, you know, nice, nice goats. Um, we only had three of the seven hunters were able to hunt this last year due to COVID. And, um, and they all took nice goats. Um, one of them, I know, you know, Austin Atkinson from the hunting fool there. Yeah. He put in and drew the first time, like, like a lot of these guys do and, and then made it look easy, but you know, he's pretty freaking exceptional. So, you know, um, he killed our biggest goat for the year. You know, with COVID and everything going on, um, with your bear hunts, you talked a little bit about them. Is it really a case if people really have that bug for bear, um, has, have you, you know, have your slots in essence or your, you know, the amount of bears you can take gotten screwed up because of the COVID thing? Um, or do you definitely, if people want to hunt bear, want people to call and, you know, get on the list over the next handful of years to get it done? Yeah, yeah, they should. Um, definitely call, you know, I've, I've got a lot of the spots full now, but what's happening is the, the people, the hunters in the States, 
I'm not, I, I don't foresee a problem. I mean, it's hard to say what's going to happen here, but something that's happening now is my international guys that I lost this last year, both goat and bear are saying, Hey, you know, if you can fill our spot, you know, and sell that hunt, do it because we were booked out for a couple of years. And um, so we've got some spots opening up like that. And something else that happened was a really good chunk of native land that I hunted back in the late nineties, early two thousands for another outfitter the guy that I bought out has changed hands again. And I've got a, um, a bid in for it. And so if that opens up, um, that'll give me a couple more hunts to do. I'm only going to do, I think, probably two and two hunts in there. It's, it, it's a lot of land, but, you know, I you want super I don't want to overhunt it. In. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, Frank. And it's an, go ahead. No, I was say it's an area that even though it's a ton of land, there's a couple of X's. And with those big bears, you know, like I have had one group and they want to take a couple guys. I just can't. I don't want to do that because you bump them and, yeah, it's no good. Anyways, I regress. The With your house, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to build back in, on the same property or have you decided what you're going to do? Or, um, Yeah, my wife actually, you know – I'm always gone typically until the beginning of November and she's had to evacuate mandatory evacuate a few times. And I really thought that at this tipping point, you know, that's kind of a nice way to put it, but at this point that was it, it was over. And it really shocked me because she was back on it and actually got the first cleanup permit issued in the County. She got one of the first building permits. She got the first temporary electric permit. She is, on it and um you know gonna build right back there where where her house is and um you know obviously i'm gonna do all i can to help it's you know like i said i'm gone seven to eight months so it's not like i'm a ton of help but um but yeah so delving right back into it and um yeah they're hoping to start the foundation before the rains hit if it ever does rain again in this state yeah that it's super dry all across the west isn't it Oh, it's unbelievable. I can't, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, like you said, I went through New Mexico again a while back and we're going back down this weekend. And, um, I mean, it's, it's hard, hard to believe. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just one region. It's, it's across much of the board. What else do you have on the books for December, January? You're always hunting. So what else do you got? Cooking? <laughs> well, not a whole lot. I, my wife's letting me get away with all this stuff. And so, um, I actually don't have anything planned for January. Um, we've got this hunt here this next week and it was actually moved back a week. It wasn't going to be till like December 3rd to the 8th, I think, but they moved it back a week. And, um, and I think I'm just going to spend some time doing some dirt work and getting some stuff done at the house there. Um, since I have been, I mean, I've been gone, you know, pretty much September 10th to about, well, till now. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say not much going on because I've hunted more than most in a lifetime. But uh, but as far as, yeah, December, January, not a whole lot going on. Well, good. You can get some time at home. Um, buddy, it's always great talking to you. I'm going to miss not seeing you at the shows. It sounds like all our shows are canceled and, and such. But uh, yeah. uh, you guys stay safe over there. And I encourage everyone to reach out to Frank. I'll link up your uh, number and your email uh, in the show notes of this podcast. and. 
uh, always appreciate your friendship and your great stories and uh, it's just always great chatting with you and and uh, so anyway uh, I won't see you at the shows but we'll we'll hook up and I'll I'll see you someplace and we'll share a meal or something all right it sounds good I appreciate everything you do for us Jay all right buddy take care God bless take care God bless Bye. bye